What's up, everybody? I'm Dr. Peter Bolden. And I'm Dr. Craig Spodek, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Simply the best podcast in dentistry designed to help you maximize your practice and your life through four pillars of success. Leadership, team culture, marketing, and financial freedom, and everything in between. Now, let's get to it. What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of our Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. It's Craig and Pete, and we're coming to you solo to talk to you about debt and debt. finances. Debt. Debt, debt and so finances. Bad. It does sound bad, actually. When you say that, it's the D word, right? It is, like debt um, and debt. Ugh. Um, well, you know, I was actually, I was telling you before we hit record that, that you know, I like, to, I like to walk in the morning and walk my dog. It's, it's my quiet time. It's when I get to think. I think in movement. And I was thinking about, I actually recorded kind of a, a, a something on my, uh, my voice recorder on my iPhone. It was too scratchy to publish, but it was really about like debt. And like, I think now is a great time where you, well, actually, Craig, me pause. I was talking about my experience recently about refinancing a lot of my debt. Oh, that's such a cool move. Right. Because right now we're in, we're in unusually low uh, interest rates. Yeah. Right. And by the way, money is really easy to get when you don't need it and really, yeah. really hard to get when you do need it. Well, remember, remember it back in, back in the day. Right. And I actually did what did talk about that a little bit right now. I, you know, in this most recent, uh, refinancing, I had two banks fighting and it was great to kind of say like, all right, he'll do 3.3. Will you do 3.25? And banks don't like to lose to each other because then, you know, they have a, they want to have this this debt on their balance sheet because it's dental debt and it's a good debt to have, right? They like so they don't want to lose the the battle to, um, to someone else. So, um, and by the way, you know when I was building my building back in two thousand like ten eleven, I could not get a freaking bank to say yes to my loan package. It was incredible. I mean, literally I had one, I had five different banks reject me. One of the banks actually rejected me at the closing table. So I told my GC and my construction company that we were approved. And at the last minute they pulled the plug on me. And then the same exact bank four years later, after I built my building, sent me this flyer back in like uh, yeah. 2015 saying, Hey, we do 105% financing now. I'm like, dude, I wanted you for like an 80% LTV, like meaning I had 20% equity to put down and they wouldn't touch me. And now they do 105% financing. So I could have built my building and had 5% extra cash flow. So I was like, we're, Which you know. seems a little 2008-ish to me, but um, meaning, remember, I remember buying my first home and literally walking, I had, I had no money. Literally, I had like $100 in my checking account, bought a condo for like $150,000 that I got approved for but no money down. I remember leaving the table with like $20,000. Like, how, how is this possible? Like what, this doesn't seem fair or legal or whatever, but anyway, buddy, let's talk and, about, and the by, I, I want to say one more thing too, because a buddy of mine just texted me this. So this came out on Fox business yesterday. JP Morgan chase reports record profit for 2019. Guess what their profit was. JP Morgan, JP Morgan chase no. for 2019. What? what would you think is a big profit for a bank? I don't know, 20 billion. Yeah. So 36.4 billion. That's crazy. So it, their earnings surged as consumer loans and credit card spending increased 
So yeah. So banks are raking. Well, let's in. go back into let's go back into that for a second. Like why why you and I when we say the debt word, we both kind of cringe. Um, but what I've learned over the years is that you know I have a lot of debt, Craig. So do you. Well, you know, you didn't as much like when we first became friends, you were really quite debt averse. I think what's changed for you is lower interest rates has made it, you know, you have well, and the fact of shifting my psychology, shifting my mentality of fact that like there's debt, is is it performing debt or unperforming debt? Non-performing, yeah. Like your house, unfortunately, is pretty unperforming other than it brings a lot of value and happiness to your family. Right. Which Student. is also a good ROI, by the way. So totally, when we talk right. about so, ROI, don't just think about money. Marriage is a really shitty ROI because 60% of them end in divorce. Right. Kids are a really bad ROI monetarily, but spiritually. But because you can't you rent your house out because you're currently living there, it's a non-performing asset. Well, it's illiquid. It's hard to get the money back out of it. No, it's, well, okay. It's an illiquid. Like the, I want to touch on, put a pin on the uh, house All right, thing fine. for one second. Oh, but I want to re- I want to go back to that, by the way. All right. Well, so student loan debt. So a lot, a lot of student loan debt, unfortunately, is, is, an, is an unperforming asset. Yes, you have the knowledge that now you can perform with it, but it's an unsecured, uncollateralized debt, which when you go to banks and look to borrow more money, they look at that and say, oh, shit. We, right? can't, we can't collateralize No that. one can repossess your brain or whatever, right? Versus if you buy a building at, you know, they'll give you great interest rates and you can then obviously the bank feels a little warm and fuzzy about it because then if something happens, they can repossess the building, which they don't want to do, but at least there's collateral to back it's up. It's warm and fuzzier, I should say. Fuzzier. Well, it depends on who, who wins the 2020 election. You know, we may not have to worry about student debt. So it could yeah, be if that. Bernie wins, right? It'll all yeah, be wiped out. All of it wiped out. So sucks for you guys that just finished off paying your student loans out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because now you're paying off all your buddy's student loans as well. But, One thing um, that is helpful we though, Craig, political. We you know, political. actually you talk about like paying stuff off, right? So a lot of times people be like, oh, you should pay your house off and you should pay Ooh, this no, off. No, no, no. Let's right? talk about the house for a second. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Don't hold. Hold on. So okay, I'm excited, I, Pete. You got me excited. I know you are. But what I, what, I, what I would encourage someone listening to do is write down all of your debt, write down your interest rate, write down the monthly cash flow that's coming off of that. And so, so the ones that are most abusive to your cash flow with the worst interest rate, put the crosshairs on those, right? Don't try and pay all your debt down all at once. Put the yep. crosshairs on one, probably more than likely your student debt, student loans, if you have them. Because Craig, they're probably like, I, I found out what some of the interest rates are and they're in the sixes and sevens. Uh, the student you, can't, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't speak in such broad terms because some of our listeners can have uh, credit card loans at 24.5%. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that's a very real thing. Um, you know, that, that's really oppressive. You're, you know, that's, you know, we talk about the magic of compounding interest. I think, who was it that says one of the fifth or sixth wonders of the world, compounding interest? I think it was Einstein. Einstein actually made that quote, like how magical having your money work for you is, but in the same uh, mm-hmm. amplitude that it can be it beneficial for against you. you. It can work against you. At the end of this year, we'll be entering in the year 2020. 2020, everyone associates with perfect vision. Wouldn't it be cool to start your year off with perfect vision and clarity for your practices trajectory? Heck, even other aspects of your life? We are doing the summit early in the year for this very purpose. As practice owners ourselves, we are bringing tips and processes that helped grow our practices to scale. Learn from people who have done it, not just preach about it. 
So join us in Houston at the St. Regis, February 28th and 29th. We've negotiated amazing nightly room charges at $179. Even if you've been to a summit of ours before, do not miss this one. We're going to be focusing on digital marketing, including social media. Hope to see you there. Yeah. So, um, but the house, I want to talk about the house just for one second, okay. because I have a lot of really savvy friends that are, that are wealthy and, and, and just really understand this stuff. You know, it's really hard to get the money back out of your house. Once you put it in, it's, 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 a, it's very difficult to refinance your house. There's stock stamps. It's very inefficient to try to borrow against your house. Cause it's, it's the, the amount of taxes and I'm, I'm sorry, documentation and, and fees that go along with it can really be oppressive. So one of the things that I always, oh, you can always, you can always add more money to your house, but it's hard to take it out. So that's one thing that if, if you're in a rush to pay off different things, that's probably one thing I'd put a, a, a longer play on, you know, people, a 30 year mortgage at a low rate, you know, do rates, not, do not, I'm oh, sorry. Do not pay that off actually. And here, and I'm glad you're bringing this up, Greg. I think it's unwise unless you feel as though the money that you're going to put towards that reducing the capital amount, unless you feel like you, you can't make your money find a place to work harder than three and a half or 4% or whatever your interest rate is at, do not pay it down. Well, it That's also depends on you know, what state you live in too and the mortgage tax, tax deductions because having a three and a half percent or 4% mortgage in certain areas of our country, that could be a tax deductible expense. Your net effect of the mortgage could wind up being one and a half percent you know, we're 1.9%. Totally. Yeah. The net net to you. And there's net massive, there's financial arbitrage, right? So if I have a hundred thousand dollars and I can either, I can either pay down my house, right. And quote unquote, make three and a half percent that I was paying, or I could take that leverage, take that hundred thousand dollars, find a building that has a cap rate of let's call it eight or 9%. Yeah, it's just going to be hard these days, but yeah. Well, okay. All right, let's call it eight. So let's we'll say you can borrow. Call it six. And right, by the way, cap rate, just so the listener understands, is the rate of return after all uh, expenses are paid. It's the, it's the, yeah, the return on something you're buying, right? So if you can borrow money at 3.5% or 4 for a building and you're getting an 8% return, you're making 4% on borrowed money. That's leverage. That's why cap rates are shrinking, by the way, because mortgage uh, uh, because, interest rates are because, so low. And they're printing so much money, which is another thing that I think is important to talk about. Um, is that is that another reason you asked that I was I was risk I'm sorry that I was debt averse in the beginning, and this is my own personal thoughts. This is my own personal contention. We we probably should have made the disclaimer. This is not financial advice and blah blah blah. Yeah, we're blah, not blah, pretending to give any here. Yeah, I don't think any. But it's just the podcast. People we're having fun. We're just you and I shit. talking. Yeah. But here, here, hear me out for a second. Here's why I'm, again, another reason why I'm a little bit more risk. Um, or debt averse. I'm, I'm not debt averse, right? Um, is because I'm seeing what the government is doing and printing so much money right now, right? We're at $23 trillion. Inflation rates are rising. When I sign a document, let's call it a million dollars for a building, okay? What it's basically saying is, Peter, you owe a million dollars. Now, whether or not that at the time I sign it, that hamburger, I mean, I'm sorry, a hamburger may cost $3 related dollars. Exactly. But by the, but in years, let's say we experience hyperinflation, which none of us want to do. Right. But the government just turns on the printing press and turns all. Well, we're going to experience inflation and always inflation happens. Well, inflation, you don't don't have to talk about hyperinflation. The CPI is what? Two or 3%. 
the cost of $100 today and $100 in five years is very, very different. Very different. Very right? different. So let's just say we experience that where the, the printing press is on massively. But now because your, your money is being diluted, I still only owe back the same U.S. dollar that I signed on the dotted line. So potentially there could be a windfall. So not only am I making arbitrage on my dollars of buying something, I'm actually able to experience leverage by only putting down 20%, but buying a million dollar asset. And then third, if there is inflation, I get to potentially be the beneficiary, yeah. right? So this and is how I, I you think, build wealth. Right. And psycho- and, and a very uh, inspirational podcast that Peter and I listened to is Naval Ravikant. And Naval, um, he's just, he's just, a total brain. And one of the things he says is doctors and lawyers and people like us who trade time for money don't ever really get rich. And the reason is, is we make a steady income that swells over time, but it just so happens that it keeps up with our increase in our spending. So you can, I I know plenty of ultra, ultra wealthy people that make like millions of dollars per year, but they don't have the cash to like do anything with it. They don't have a secure nest egg. And I know people that make a hundred grand a year and they're rich as hell. Right. So it really comes down to your burn rate and controlling your spending. And we, I'm going to throw myself, I'm going to throw my hat in this ring too. I, I have this belief system and I'm 48. So I've been a dentist for 21 years and I've seen it. I've seen like, you know, when I made like 200 grand, I'm like, oh shit, when I make 400, oh my God, I'll be like, I'll be able to put away so much more. But everything swells in, in relationship to what we earn. So if you're earning five and 8% more, but spending six and 12% more, you're going to wind up really freaking stressed about money. And there's people that make million or more dollars a year and they're really freaking stressed about money. Yep. So that, you know, it's, it's really important. And, and that one thing I love about commercial loans or any type of, you know, passive investment like that is it's a forced savings account you will pay your mortgage. If you don't pay your mortgage within 30 days, you get a penalty on that. So what, it's like a savings account with a, with a, with a due date. You know, I mean, we all say we're going to save more in 2020 and we're going to put more money aside, but if you don't write the check, no one's writing you a, a letter back saying you better pay this. So for those who have their own practices and they're paying down mortgages on either their practice loans or their buildings, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to look at your end of year, what you made, And then I want you to pull out your amortization schedule or look at your bank statement and see how much principal you paid down on any of your loans. Mm -hmm. And I want you to add that to what you made this year. I I talked to a guy who was all depressed. He's like, I used to be an associate in a practice and I made X dollars and made a hundred grand a year. Now I own my own practice. I'm only making 120. I was like, okay, what did your practice grow? He's like, well, I grew from like 600 to a million. I'm like, so what do you think it's worth? You know, is it worth 70% of one year's gross? He's like, yeah, probably 70%. So I'm like, I want you to add that to what you made this year too. And by the way, did you pay down any debt? Yeah, oh yeah, I paid down three, $36,000 in, in uh, principal. I want you to add that to what you made too. So, you know, we're used to being like, there's a lot so of So simple- instead of, I love how you're making the distinction. So that person, you put that person in the mindset. I actually have on my, looking at it right now, it's a spreadsheet. It, I don't really track, you know, well, what did I make last year? I look at what is my net worth? right? Did I pay down debt? Did assets increase? Did spending go down? Right. And so yeah, you're that, making that worth is a little bit mental masturbation too. This whole thing is just mental masturbation because, you know, <laughs> net worth so at is, all. What are you talking about? What do you it mean? It is not. Yeah, it is because it's like, uh, no, net worth is real and it's a real, th- <laughs> it's a real thing. 
but what you will not mentally masturbate over my net worth oh yeah you, you're yeah because i'll tell you right now what's your <laughs> net worth it's it's a presumption that your house is worth x your practice is worth all right so there's worth, some subjectivity i get there's it, subjectivity I and, but, and what it really matters is it's these are all illiquid expenses and or illiquid assets rather and if you need to sell them quickly it's hard to get full value for them so your house may be worth 500 grand but if you need to sell it in three weeks it's probably yeah. not going to be worth 500 it's probably grand. worth 300 grand right right so all i'm saying is that the the exercise of this mental masturbation they keep referring to is that if you're going to go through it all find out all the stuff that you did you know find out you know like really get an apples to apples conversation and the thing i love about performing debt is that as you pay down principal it is a savings account for yourself which right. i love no it and you've it, you've been really good at that pete every time pete's bank account swells he buys a property um <laughs> some people every time their bank account swell they buy a ferrari so that's you know well well it's my own it's my forced savings uh right because i yeah. i would probably opt to buy the ferrari but um but if, if you let it sit there too long. So I, I you'll buy something stupid, put it buy that something way. stupid. You do when you sit there yeah. and you just aggregate ones and zeros, you are like, Hmm, you feel, if you quote unquote, feel rich. Yeah. Right. Um, you end up, you end up, your lifestyle falls in sync. So I like to keep myself very poor. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good idea. It's a good idea. Um, you brought I, up I, something else about Naval and I think I, it warrants us talking about it. Craig, that, that podcast that you and I listened to, that's a three hour where Naval Ravikant, um, who is just literally, if I could pick one person to spend the day with, it would be outside him. of me. Yeah, I know. Well, that's true. Uh, but anyway, I took, he, they, they basically compose. And if you get on his podcast, you can see it says all episodes and it's, and he named it. Uh, it was a, a tweet storm. Actually, it started as a tweet storm, but he named it like how to get rich or how to get wealthy or whatever, which I don't really love the title, but he talks about all things in life. I loved it so much, Craig, that I actually found the transcript I appreciate um, you doing that. That and was I awesome. I sent that to you, right? And had yeah. it printed and bound because I think it's just like, a, it's like a legacy read. Meaning I actually put, I, I got a copy of this, printed it, gave it to, to all my best buddies and then put a couple in my, in my gun safe so that one day my son can have this. I mean, that's how, that's how like transformative the data in here is. The, the, awesome. the information, if you can dwell on it. So I'm going to put that, I should put that link in the podcast. I mean, in the notes uh, sure. or or um, anyway, but I'm glad you touched on that because Naval's amazing with yeah, a capital A. For sure, um, he is. All right. Anything else to add on debt? I think that's cool. I think that's cool. I think step one would be if you have debt that's, that's tied to collateral, like either a practice or a building or something else, look at refinancing. And if, and if your bank doesn't do it, um, ask the neighboring bank. It's good to get when banks compete, you win in that lending tree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was able, Craig, because they didn't want to lose my business. Check this out. Instead of having to refinance and go through origination and all that stuff, origination is the, is the amount they charge you to actually do the loan. So usually it's 1% or half of a percent. But so if it's a million dollar loan, they charge you $10,000 to do the loan. I was able to remodify my loans with a $500 modification fee only. I didn't have to refinance. I didn't have to go through underwriting. They just did it because they didn't want to lose the business and me to go across the street to, to the other guy. So, and, and remember one thing, people, it's not because Pete's so great. It's the time that we're in time. right now. Yeah. When you, you, so I know no one needs the money right now and everything's going well and the economy's booming, but winter's coming. Economies are cyclical. It always is. We're on the most massive 
uh, long bull market we've ever had. So a recession or a pullback is normal. Yeah, your recession, 2022 self could thank you very much for acting right now. Right, right? And, and it's very easy to do it when you don't need the money, but when you do. So if your house needs to be refinanced, if your uh, business needs to be refinanced, it's the time to do it. I yeah, mean, I, I refinanced It's a pain in the house. ass. It's a pain in the ass, but spend the time. You just did? You refinanced right recently? Well, I, I, I refied like eight months ago. Okay, so that's, I'm that's in like, the window. I'm at three, five, which is pretty cool. Dude, that's amazing. That's amazing. By the way, a little piece of advice too. So I, I used the bank at like an online bank. It was pretty cool. Um, and I refied and I got a rate. It was 3.87. And I was like doing some, like we were working on the closing and I had no idea that banks have to do this, but the rates dropped again after two weeks. I hadn't, I locked the rate in, but I hadn't fully executed the documents yet. We were waiting on the appraisal and all that shit. And I called them up and just that, you know, I was like, what the hell? I'll just call my loan officer and see if I, they can do anything with the rate. Cause I, I made the headlines that their rates went down. So I called and they're like, yeah, actually we can rewrite your loan and we'll save you, you know, 50 G's over the lifetime of your loan. I'm like, what? So banks, there's a law that they have well, not to even that. Most importantly, your cash flow. You're, you're like, you but probably, they have to. I'm like, why would you do that? Why would a bank? I signed a deal with a bank. Why would you? Yeah, it's just because it's of truth and lending laws. I know, right? but that's such a favorable law for the consumer. Well, they have let's to take advantage that. of it. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's my point of the conversation. Second piece of advice is if you have consumer debt, do not pay anything else down until that done. And I say consumer, I mean actually student loan. I'm going to put that in the consumer bucket because it's non collateralized, it's unsecured. Pay down your student debt. I know that's easier said than done, but do not even have the conversation about I'm going to buy or, or pay down other debt and like get rid of those. Get that off of your personal balance sheet ASAP because it'll help free up for when you do want to go buy a house or you want to get a bigger house or, or another build, a, a commercial building or something. Getting that, and getting that unsecured debt off your balance sheet will, will put you in a favorable standpoint with the lender. And one of the reasons why Peter and I are so passionate about this is that statistic that 90% of us dentists cannot retire by the time we're 65. That is frick. Is it 90 or 95%? No, no, no. It's so yeah, it's only 10. Yeah, you're saying the exact same thing. It's only 10% of dentists can retire at age 60. Given the current lifestyle that they have. So, so there's two things that suck about that. We make a lot of money as dentists. You know, it's, it's always in the top five professions. We're really high earners, but yet we're not able to retire. That comes down to the fact that of two things, I think. Number one, we oftentimes spend more than we make. We spend more than we should. And number two, we are so easily preyed upon yes. by financial institutions. Pete and I could write another book about the things that we've been through as far as that I would consider financially abusive. Um, you know, we, we are relationship people as dentists, we build long-term relationships with our patients. So when someone comes in with a really cool whole life policy and they like us, and they want to take us, you know, to the uh, Atlanta Falcons game or the Miami heat, we're like, Oh, this guy must really like me. You know, I had a guy once take, tell me, oh, I'm going to take you to Nobu. And you know, uh, do you like the Miami heat? I'm like, shit, I love it. What, why is like, I just really like you. And I came to find out like this guy's just a huge broker dealer and makes tons of commissions off of me. And it, it just, it, it, I, I, I see your what feelings, didn't it buddy? Well, it hurt not your only, feelings. well, it just sucks to be preyed upon. And I go on these fa Facebook chat rooms and these, you know, dental investment, this and business of dentistry and all that stuff. And, and I see people that are not dentists, they're brokers and they're advising dentists. And we all just assume they're dentists. Like, oh, it's a really good thing I did. And I always ask the question like, hey, are you a dentist? Well, actually, no, my, my wife is, but I'm, I'm one of the largest guys for Guardian Life Insurance. And 
I just it just sucks because I know Samir Puri, Samir Puri, the guy mm-hmm. from Sarai Doctors. Yeah. He is such a smart guy from a financial standpoint. Mm-hmm. And he just argues to the benefit of the dentist. And they're still like, no, but I, you know, it's such a good thing for me to do. And we get preyed upon and we have so many, so much bad advice. And it just sucks that we do such a noble profession and we help people for a living. I want to give Samir you know, a, a, a shout out. You know, I've never met him and he's, he's been one of the most influential mentors to me. I mean, he, I met him actually as a dental student on dental town and he took the time to, he's a few years older than me and literally just a great guy. I can't, I really yeah. want to meet him one day. I know yeah, you've he's, met. he's a badass. He's super kind. He, he puts, he puts his heart into things and um, you know, the, the work that he's done trying to educate uh, the other dentists that I've seen on just the financial stuff. Like he's just taken off his Sarek hat and putting on another hat of like, look, here's the math. And I'll go through You're really passionate about this aspect of dentistry. I have to tell you, I'm just going to brag on you for a second. I, and I don't know if it's because of the pain you went through and yeah, you and I both pain. went through it's the pain and and you probably had a little bit more just because. Um, well, I got vicarious pain because I was in this um, consulting company that I won't mention. And part of the group, we'd meet for these like ultra high level masterminds. And there was a herd effect. It was the most, it was a really perverse thing that was going on where everybody just trusted each other. Like, mm-hmm. well, you know, Pete's in it and Joe's in it. Um, you know, I'm sure these guys are great. Meanwhile, so there was like brokers and commissions and, and like shit just biased, biased products all over the place. $36,000 a year I invested in a product that made no money whatsoever. No money whatsoever. So, uh, you know, and that was for years. It was hundreds of What does of that thousands. company rhyme with? You can't say. No, 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 no. Don't even go there. Don't even go there. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. It's fine. It's fine. I'll expose them. No, don't. Don't do it. It's not even fair. It's fine. I mean, listen, if, if you have a savvy advisor and that's a portion of your portfolio, that can make sense. And there's obviously things. I don't want to get into tax advice, but if you're ultra wealthy, there's certain products that make sense for you. But for the average guy, you know, I mean, even Ray Dalio, the most iconic investor, like he's mm-hmm. the guy who wrote Principles and he has that all weather fund. He's routinely beat the market by shit tons. He didn't beat the market this past year. The S&P went up to 26%. And yeah. you, can get, you can get the S&P for eight basis points. So you could actually be paying an advisor, overpaying an advisor for underperformance. And it just sucks because I know so many dentists like myself that we're doing that. Mm. And it, it's such a travesty because here we are trying to help dentists, Pete, make more money. And then in the same level, there's other guys that are just coming in and praying. That's on why I'm them. glad to see like, you know, the creative plannings of the world and the Reese Harper's yeah. of the world, you know, yeah. like making sure that it's a, Greg, make sure I'm saying it right. It's an RIA. Yeah. Registered independent advisor, but the creative plannings and the Reese Harper's represent like 1% of if the world. That. So if there was 50 more Reese Harper's and 50 more creative plannings, it wouldn't make a dent. Still 99% of the guys out there are just charging you out the butt. You know, this, this is your new war cry. I can feel it. Yeah. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. And then we had Peter Maluk on who's a total rock star, total yeah. rock star, total rock star. So, all right, buddy. I think that's good. I think we I think we gave a lot of value in um in giving people talking about debt and giving direction and and we we threw in big words like arbitrage which I was really happy about because Yeah, what does that mean exactly? What does arbitrage mean? Yeah, I'm just joking with you. Oh. I googled it. You didn't know what it meant? No, I'm kidding. I know. No. I know what it meant. It's I like just my wanted favorite. to be funny. Um, I know. 
You stopped using meritocracy, by the way. So that's well, I'm gonna, cool. you know, you know, I have to, I go in cycles. It's the seasons of my vocabulary. I, so this know. is arbitrage season. Yeah, this is arbitrage season. <laughs> <laughs> soon, soon we'll be in meritocracy and binary mode. Oh yeah, binary can't go yeah, far. Yeah, yeah, can't go far without binary. Hey, how's Bitcoin doing? Speaking of arbitrage season. Hey, you know what? It, um, it is oh. doing. It is doing well. It's doing, it's doing just fine well. and dandy. It was the number one. What was the? You talked about the S and P. You know what the oh, number yeah. one best performing asset? I just said that with Peter Malouk, and he was kind of. Oh God, I can't best performing asset. Why, dude? Who cares? He's he's he breathes. He puts his pants on one leg dude, like me. Know, dude, you know Bitcoin? I don't check this because you're the Bitcoin monster. In one month, you know what it's gone up in percent? Mm, like twenty. Last month. Twenty. Twenty-seven percent. I had no idea. I guess it was the Iran scare, huh? Well, we talk here so. Oh, speaking I'll, of Iran, I don't wait, get too wait, hold tangential. Hold on, hold on, hold wait, on. Wait, 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 wait. Stop. Did you see Patrick Bet David on Iran? Yeah, well, he's had that video, dude. They no, he just did another one. Crush it, because he's from Holy. Iran. Holy, I know, but it was it. like he gave a history of the Middle East like no one could. And I don't think he could have said half the stuff he said without being a, Iranian. Ju- like, honestly, yeah, like, he's a fucking he's a badass. Beast. Like, yeah, I don't know why everyone doesn't know him more than like. Oh, I they mean, will. Don't worry, they will. Um, all right. So go on with your thing. So wait, you talked about Bitcoin and, and, and we talked about inflation and that is one of the aspects why I really love Bitcoin. Oh God. It's because it's the only thing that we have that's anti-inflationary. Oh God. All right, fine. I'll leave it alone. I know. Just, it, just leave it alone. We had so much good advice and then people are going to be like, oh, and then he went to Bitcoin. Well, I'm not yeah. saying you should buy it. I'm just saying, look, it's, know, a he- it's, a, it's a hedge. It's a hey, hedge. listen, Pete, you said it yourself. You said one of us, history will prove one of us. History right. will prove. I talked so much shit on you at the DIA convention in Los Angeles and it went up like 200% since then. 400%. Oh, whatever. So yeah. I, I am not in a position to talk any crap. No, it's fine. It's fine. All right. You're right. I won't go down that. Obviously, everyone knows I like blockchain shit, but um, yeah. But anyway, buddy, that was a that was a great podcast, and um, I'm really excited to get ready to st- share the stage with you. Uh, feels like it's been a while; it's been since Vancouver, so I'm I'm ready to have I'm ready to have two intensive days of spodekness. All right, I'm ready to have some bold bold boldness. Bold, yeah, it's just boldness. It's boldness it is. is fine. Yeah, it's and, uh, in Houston, and uh, and yeah. tickets are still available. By the way, we've got 45 days out. Grab your hygienist now. I don't, I'm just kidding. I think there's some, yeah. There might be some tickets left, but if there is, definitely do but it. But it is definitely times. the biggest one so far. We're, it's, we're crushing it this year. It's, it's with people coming and people are excited just like we are. So um, Very excited. <laughs> very excited. All right, buddy. Got anything else? No, sir. Good to see right. you. Good talk today. And, All right, uh, guys, keep it bulletproof. Keep it bulletproof. Over and out. Until next see- time, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. If you got any value or insight from today's episode, we ask for your help. First, review us on iTunes. It creates awareness to help others find us, and it literally takes like five seconds. Second, if you want to stay in touch with announcements and updates, text the words Bulletproof, all one word, to 345345. We promise not to bombard you with spam text. Also, don't forget to check out our upcoming summit, 2020 registration page at bulletproofsummit.com. We're going to be focusing on digital marketing, including social media. Do not miss this one for real. Thanks y'all.